Praise God. Welcome to everyone. If you're a guest with us today, we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us. We welcome you this morning. And if you're watching us on theantioch.com, we welcome you this morning into our broadcast. Uh, we pray that you're blessed this morning. Amen. I am doing something I have not done in many years. I am preaching from paper. I was hired by Apple on Wednesday to test the strength of my iPad by dropping it, and it didn't pass the test. And so I am... I am uh, iPadless, if that's even a good word to use. So I'm preaching from paper. So last week it have been great because I didn't need notes, but this week I actually had notes. And so, um, in case you don't know, this is actually what we call a Bible. <laughs> Amen. So, praise God. I'm not trying to start a new trend, but you got to do what you got to do. Amen. John chapter four. John chapter 4, verse number 1 says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus down by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which means about noontime. And the woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For, G for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Verse number 10 says this, Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of me, and he would have given you living water. That first part of that quotation there, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you. I want to talk to you today on this subject. Do you know him? Do you know him? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I want to make a confession here today, and I mean this with all sincerity. I don't know if I truly know God. I don't truly think I know Him like He desires for me to know Him. I know a lot about God. I know a lot about His Word. I can explain a lot to you out of His Word, but I don't know if I really truly know God. I, I could spend the next few weeks reading and studying and watching lectures on brain surgery, but that wouldn't make me a brain surgeon. I can read His Word and come to church, but that doesn't necessarily make me a disciple. 
Someone said, I don't know where it come from. Someone said this before, and I love it. I've used it many, many times. It says, coming to, coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a horse. And I have to admit to you today that I think I have settled to know about God than truly to know God. I have settled and become comfortable with just hearing about Him and reading about Him, but not truly knowing Him. And our world today has become content on simply knowing about God, but not truly knowing God. I, I really rarely come across people today, even in circles that I fellowship with, that truly know God. I, I know a lot of people that know a ton about God. But there's something different between someone who knows about God and someone who knows God. You can feel it. If you go back to the Old Testament the Bible says that God desired, Exodus 6, if you want to go back and read it, I'm not going to read it today. The Bible says that God desired to have a people to be his own. He didn't select them because they were the smarter, the better looking, the richer of the people. But he chose to have a people that he could have to be his own. He wanted someone that he could show himself to, that he could fellowship with, that, that could become a part of him, that he could become a part of them, and they could, he could have a connection and a covenant with him, with that people like no other on earth. And so he said, I'm going to choose me a people. And we understand, if you know anything about the Word of God, we understand who those people were. and They're the Israelites, and we can go throughout and see what God did in them and through them. And it got to the point where he delivered them with so many mind-blowing miracles. I mean, you're talking about these people stood in the midst of slavery, facing the most powerful man in the world, the most powerful country on earth at the time, not even believing or, or, desire, or, or even thinking about the idea that they could be free. Moses comes, and we can go through the whole story, we don't have time today, but here is this deliverance out of the impossible. But it'd be one thing to deliver them out of the impossible, but takes them out to the Red Sea by a... a, 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 a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire and they go to the Red Sea and they stand there and the armies of Pharaoh are coming behind them and, and then God opens up the sea. And I love that little part there and it's not what we're going to get on today but the Bible says that when the, spread, the Red Sea parted that they walked on dry land. He didn't even make them walk in the mud. He tried to make it as easy as possible. And we see that, and then we see they turn around and they watch the, the waters come back and, and drown the Egyptians. And we, we see so many miracles after that, and, and, and a river coming out of a rock, and, and manna being out on the ground every day. And then when they got tired of that and they complained, he sent a whole flock of meat so much that they ate so much it was coming out of their ears. And they, they saw all this amazing miracles, provision after provision. But then David writes this. Psalms 95, verse 10, he says, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation 
and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. That's amazing to me to think that you can see all of that mind-blowing thing. Come on, I, I, we've seen some uh, amazing stuff today. We, I, I've seen in my lifetime, I've been blessed to see some miracles that have taken place. But, but I have not gone down to the Chesapeake Bay and stood there and lifted my hands and opened up the Chesapeake Bay and walked to the other side. I haven't gone to, the, to, to, to rock and hit it and... A river come out. I don't get up every morning and go outside my house and collect food off the ground that was laid there the night by angels so that I can have food to eat the next day. I don't have that. And to think that all of that took place, but he says in Psalms 95 that these people have seen what I've done, but they truly don't know me. And I look in my own life today and I see that there are so many things that God has done for me. I can look back and see how many things God has done for me. All the way back to when I was a child. I wasn't even supposed to be here. And then, and then when I was a little older than that, I, I got burned heavily and the Lord miraculously healed me. And then throughout my life, I see God's hand upon me. God doing things in my life and through my life. But it's one thing to settle for knowing about that side of God. But there's a whole other side of God that he says, don't get sidetracked and satisfied. With this side. Because there's so much more that I have available to you if you would just know me. And we seek so much, and I've preached about this, this is not where I'm going today, but we seek so much the miracle that we don't seek the God of the miracle. And if we would seek the God, the miracle would come. Because he's a God of miracles. I've recently gone back and began to just, in my own time, my own study, look at the first century church. We understand a little bit from church history the fact that after the ascension of Jesus, there was a group that went away to pray in Jerusalem. And if you read Acts, which is kind of the historical perspective of the, the beginning of the church, and we, we find that the day of Pentecost came and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and throughout we see that the first century church began to grow from that moment there. And if you know anything or read about the history of that first church, you know that it started with 120, but in just a few decades it grew to all parts of the world. We're not talking about just a little bit here, a little bit there, but we're talking about thousands of people becoming converted, finding Jesus in so many different ways. And, and, I, and I got to looking and studying a little bit, and, and forgive me for a moment to be a little, little boring for some of you, but I, 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 I'm, when, I, when I study the Bible, especially the New Testament, I, I like to just not just study what, what the Bible says, which is important, but I, I want to study the context. What was it like? What was that person that was reading the letter from Paul written to the Romans? What were they dealing with? Because if you can look at what they were dealing with, you can understand a little bit what Paul was saying. And so I, I, I like to look at the whole kind of culture and the whole, whole situation of the first century. And when you look at it, 
You know, we look at today and we're Americans, we're complaining how bad it is and we've got this going on and we struggle with this and we've got health care issues and we've got social issues we've got political issues and no one gets along and we've got, we've got things in society now that are being accepted and oh my goodness, what's going on? We're going, you know, the world's so bad. If you study the world back then, the political situation was worse because there wasn't no political situation. There was one group in charge and you did what they say or you didn't, you didn't survive. The slavery was a, was, was a part of it. There was no hope of a better life. If you were born rich, you could be rich. But if you're born poor, the likelihood of you becoming rich was very, very slim. Things were accepted back then openly that we would even blush at today. So it wasn't that they had an easier world to deal with. And on top of that, do you realize they didn't even have the full Bible? Now listen, I'm all for the Word of God. I'm all for this book. Please, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that disclaimer before I make this statement. But so many times we have become addicted to try to find more things in this book than more things about the author of this book. And now pulpits are under pressure to come up with bigger and better and cooler things to entice people because they got no relationship. So because of no relationship, the only thing you got to do is try to get deeper in this book. It's truth whether or not you amen it or not. So I'm not saying, I, I, this, is, this, this book is everything, so don't get me wrong when I make this statement. But they didn't even have this book. The only thing they had was the Old Testament. And it wasn't like they all carried that around. You would probably need a cart to carry all the scrolls that it was written on. So it wasn't like they even had that readily available. So how did they, without a Bible... Without the readily available technology we have today that right now preaching, someone on the other side of the world can listen to what's being said in this building today. Without all that, how did they turn the world upside down? And we, with all of this, can't even reach our neighbor. How can they see Great things take place. But yet, most people don't even know we exist. Well, we find a little bit of why that took place. If you go back to Acts chapter 3, so Acts chapter 2, we have the day of Pentecost, Peter's message. Then we have the, 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 the call to repentance, baptism, and filling of the Holy Ghost. We have the 3,000 that were saved there on the day of Pentecost. And we move forward. Now we've got to get into what's going on. We find in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going, taking a walk. There was a man there that was begging for alms. They walked up to him. They said, listen, we don't have anything to give you, but such that we have, we give to you in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The man got up and stood, healed, began to worship Jesus that healed him. Well, this made... The Pharisees, angry, made them frustrated, made them upset because it was 
that this Jesus problem had been dealt with. And now here it is that the Bible says that after that man was healed, 5,000, 5,000 were saved. And so they realized they had a bigger problem on their hand. And so they, they called Peter and John before the, the council. The high priest was there. Caiaphas and several others were there. And they were discussing this with Peter and John. And they, they asked them such a, 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 a stupid question. They say, in what name do you heal? They knew what name because the man was yelling and screaming the name out loud who had healed him. They understood this, this, who this name was, but they made this statement. And this, to me, is the key to what these men had. They, they, they said this, verse number, oh, what's verse number 12, 13? Here we go. Let's, yeah, let's try uh, verse number 13. They marveled and, and took knowledge, and, and they took knowledge of them that they had what? Been... With Jesus. Actually, that's Acts 4, 13. Put that up there so they can see, make sure I'm telling the truth. Acts 4, 13. Look at that. Perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, and they marveled, and they took knowledge of them, and that is the key to what they had. That they had what? Been with Jesus. Notice that. It wasn't a typo. Not that they knew him. Not that they knew about him, but they had been with Jesus. That's just, you say, well, that, that's just, that's just, you know, you're just making that, you're just making a big deal out of nothing. No, that's everything. Because that's us today. We are know about him, but few of us have been with him. Daniel said this. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's not those that read the Bible, those that worship, those that go to church, but those that know Jesus. Folks, we have made this more complicated than it ever was intended to be. We have added tying on top of things and we have made this so complicated that you have to have a PhD at the end of your name to figure this all out when it's simply about there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism and there is one person to have a relationship with that it simply comes down to that name that's above there. It's Jesus. If I get him, I get everything. If I get him, I get knowledge. If I get him, I get wisdom. If I get him, I get power. If I get him, I get grace. If I get him, I get mercy. We want revelations on mercy. We want revelations on grace. We want revelations on the kingdom. We want revelations on the blood. We want re- And all that's important. But if I get him... He is everything to that. If I get Jesus, I get... All of that. But the problem is, if I get all of that without getting Jesus, what have I gotten? Relationship builds context and context brings purpose. 
Let's take, for instance, the word stop. Let's just, the, 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 the word stop, S-T-O-P. Based on the context it is used in determines its purpose. Because if my wife leans in to give me a kiss and I say stop, we might need some counseling when it's all done. If my child is hungry and they, they get food before them and they go to eat and I say stop, that makes me a bad parent. But if you're in a, if, if, if you, you are about to back out of your driveway and there's a small child there and I say, stop, the context totally changes. If you're about to step off a cliff and I say, stop, the context changes the purpose of the word. And relationship with Jesus changes the context. Because you know what? Your relationship will determine the context of how you receive His Word, both written and preached. Because people with relationship take things as challenged. Challenging. Get me closer. Whatever you got to tell me. Whatever you got to show me. Whatever helps me get closer to Him, I want that. But people that are, are driven by other things, when you tell them certain things, I don't want to do that. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live. Context. Because you know what? Let's be honest. Without relationship, repentance, baptism, infilling in the Holy Ghost, doesn't really mean anything without the context of relationship. Because why? What Adam got us into, Jesus got us out of. What did Adam do? Adam separated us from what? Relationship. Adam had a relationship with God. So amazing that God would come to visit Adam. Think about that. He had a relationship with God so much that God would come visit him. You know what that tells me? challenge some of you that have been around for a while to a deeper walk with God. Do you know what that tells me? There is a part in God that we get to in your relationship with God that you no longer go to Him, but He comes to you. We're not talking about salvation, but instead of you taking time out of your day to go talk to Him, He's so excited about your relationship with Him that He comes seeking to talk to you. You ever been anywhere and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just feel a sweet presence of God show up in your car or maybe at home? Out of nowhere, you're not worshiping, you're not praying, you're not... What is that? That's Jesus just coming by and saying, listen, I was thinking about you. I don't want to come by. Because you know what that bird says? When, when God came to Adam, he came in the cool of the day. You know what that word cool means? It doesn't mean temperature. It means breath. That God breathed into the garden. And when God breathed in the garden, he would, and when God showed up today, he knew where Adam was. But what happened when he showed up and Adam wasn't there? He said, Adam, where are you, man? Where are you? Because this is our time together. You realize I can get to a point in God with a relationship with him that he'll actually come seeking to talk to me? Me. My frail, fleshly, Messed up self. 
that the God of heaven would desire our relationship so much that he would say, I'm going to take time to come and talk to you. Cool, we all understand prayer, right? Prayer is that time, that holy time we set aside, right? To go talk to God in such a reverent way. You got to be on your knees. You got to have your hands like this. You got to get a deep voice. And you got to think of all the words and the thesaurus you can think of for love, for God. If you get, you got to have that in order to communicate with Him. But yet, there's something that happens when you develop a relationship with God that He comes seeking talk with you i'll never see the story and I, I don't know all the details quite the way my dad tells it maybe some of you remember but there was a man who got sick he was in the hospital and uh he wasn't doing very well in fact his vital signs were very poor but they knew they, they noticed something strange was beginning to take place Every day at the same time, like 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, every day at the same exact time, all of his vital signs would become perfectly normal. And for one hour, everything would be perfectly normal in his body. And when that hour was up, his body would go right back into the state it was. This began to happen several times and the, the doctors didn't really understand what was going on. They didn't really understand. And finally, I forgot exactly how this part happened, but, but, but they try to figure out why is it that every day at the same time, everything is perfect. But after that hour's up, everything goes back. Come to find out what they didn't know was every day, this man would go to work. He'd get off work. On his way home from work, every day he'd stop by the church at the same time. He'd walk in the back door, walk all the way up to the front. He'd sit down in the quiet sanctuary by himself. He'd take his hat off and sit it down and say, It's just me, Lord. I just came by to talk. He'd do that every day. That God cut so used to that man coming to see him, that when he couldn't get to God, God came to him. For that hour, every day, God's breath would blow in that hospital room, and they would just fellowship together. That's relationship, folks. That's what this is all supposed to be about. We're not supposed to be about rules and regulations and church times and church quotas and church and, and going through habits and rituals and all this stuff. It's supposed to be about relationship. Because you know what would happen if just these people in this room would challenge yourself in your heart to find God like you've never found before in a relationship. We would never have to pull out another track. We would never have to have another special service. We would never have to do any organized outreach. Why? Because when people see you, they would recognize, I don't know everything about you, but I recognize you have been with Jesus. Well, think about it. Without the context of relationship, coming to church is, is, is 
It's pointless. Well, the context of relationship, prayer is laborious. At best, without relationship, things that I choose to do and choose not to do feel restrictive at best. You see, it's context. Nobody, nobody argues with the guardrails going over the Bay Bridge because the context of this is what keeps me safe. And when you look at the, the things that God puts in our lives to protect us, what is he protecting us from? He's trying to protect the relationship. And when you don't have a relationship with God, you say, what's the point of guardrails? When you don't have a relationship with God, what's the point of coming to church? When you don't have a relationship with God, what's the point of worship? Why do you always tell us to worship? Why do you always tell us to praise? Why do we have to do all that? Don't you know that I like to stand here quietly? That's just the way I am. But the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Why do I want to do that? Because if I get into his courts, guess who's there? He's there. Guess what that means? Fellowship. Relationship. Without that, it just seems like a bunch of hype. Well, you guys are just in a bunch of hype. You're just in a bunch of noise. It's not really. You're just trying to get people jumping around so they feel better. No, we're trying to get somebody out of the natural into the supernatural. And when you get into the court where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is, guess what? Maybe something down inside desires, I want to know him. Do you know him? The question is, do you know him today? No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't say, do you know about him? But do you know him? Do you know him? Do you truly know God? I'm sure some of you could tell me scriptures. You can give me philosophies. You can give me some great insight into life. But that doesn't equate to relationship. Because you know what he says? We cast out devils in your name. We did miracles in your name. And the Bible says, he's going to look at him and say, depart from me, I never what? Knew you. Never knew what? I never knew you. The question today is not, do you know God? Does God know you? But I come to church. No, 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 no. Do, does God know you? We go back to the scripture we read before. Where Jesus comes, he sits down at the well. The Samaritan woman's there, and I don't have time to get into all the history of that. But just to give a little insight, she came at noontime. In that part of the world, during that season, you would not have come to the well at noon. It's too hot. You come at other times, but she came that time because she knew no one would be around. Because her life was such a mess. She was an outcast of the town. And so she came there because she didn't want to have to see people and deal with all of the drama, I guess. So she shows up there and there's this man sitting there at the well. And he says to her, listen, I'm, 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 I'm thirsty. And, and they begin to talk. She says, well, you don't have anything to do. And you know, this, this. And he makes this statement. If you knew the gift of God. 
and who it was that was talking to you. You would ask me for drink, and I would give you the well of living water. Do you know what the most telling thing about relationship is? Is how we react in the presence of God. Because today there are people here today that you need a touch from the Lord. You need God to move in your life. You need healing. You need things to happen. But yet you will leave here today with that situation, with those things in your life, untouched, unmoved upon. You know what that shows me? The biggest thing it shows me is we don't really know Him. Because if we truly believed who was in this room, and we knew who was in this room, there would not be one person that had a need here today that you could keep from getting touched. There's not one person in here today that would leave with their hands in their pocket and their head held low, saying, well, I tried again today, but nothing really happened. If you knew who was in this room today, it's not just a group of people that have come to sing a few songs and some crazy guy in a suit that's come to yell for 30 minutes, but there's truly the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Healer, the the lifter up that's in this room today. He's here in this room. Do you realize that today? That the one who said, let there be light. That the one who spoke the world into existence has come and has ascended, descended in this room and is fellowshipping with you and I today. What a privilege that me as a human in my frailty and in my difficulty and all the junk in my life that God would desire. To come here today. And if I would lift my hands. And I begin to just worship on him. And fellowship with him a second. All of a sudden I begin to feel his presence. What an opportunity. What an opportunity. Do you know who's in this room today? If you truly understood what was here, if you truly understood what was available to you, we would never have to say to you again, you need to pray. We would never have to say it again, you need to read your Bible. We would never have to say it again, worship. Because when you realize the opportunity that is available to you and I, what an opportunity. What a privilege that we have been given to have a relationship with Jesus. And that's the problem. Too many people today have gotten accustomed to the rut of religion that we have forgotten the beauty of relationship. Gotten to the rut of religion where, you know, this is just what we do. We come and we do this and we get our time in and we separate our lives. We have church. We have things of God that are over here in this night, neat corner. We make sure they stay straight and dust it off. But then we have got our lives over here. 
we got our time, the things we want to do and all that, and we separate it. We keep them separated. And, and everything's cool as long as no one tries to bring this world over to this world. You don't do that. You keep them separated. And, and listen, I've, 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 I've allocated enough time over here for this, for God's time. This is my time. Don't ask me to give any more of this to God. He's got enough. And that's our mentality. And so you know what? We're content to walk around in the wilderness. Why didn't the Israelites go across to the promised land? They didn't know them. Why did they have to spend 40 years walking around the wilderness? They didn't know them. You know why some of you are in the cycle of life you're in where it seems like you can't make it out of your own shadow? Because God's going to keep you there until you decide your relationship with Him is more important than anything around you. That's a word from God for somebody right there. You can like it or not, but that's a word from God. Some of you right now are praying for God to deliver you things that He's allowed to come in for the purpose of getting you to seek Him. And until you make relationship the priority, God will keep you in your wilderness wandering around year after year after year after year after year. And you're going to come to the Jordan, you're going to look at the other side and go, boy, I wish I could get free. But because of your desire... For everything else besides a relationship, you're going to go through a whole other cycle. Well, I feel that strongly in the Holy Ghost. I don't know who that's for. Because you know why? He knows if you could get a relationship with me, all this stuff. You ever heard the term lifestyle evangelism? You ever heard that term? That simply means this. is that, look, there are some people in here, Brother Lewis is one of them. Brother McGucky, and I thought I saw him in here earlier. Where'd he go? He snuck back out. Oh, there he is, right over there. These two guys, I'm telling you, they're amazing. I mean that with all sincerity. They can go up to anybody and talk to them about God. I'll never forget, years ago now, back in the, it was the late 90s, we went on a trip to the Philippines to do a conference there. The bishop was speaking at a conference, and men in the church went over there. Brother McGuckian was in a country he'd never been in before. People he didn't know. It was constantly like we were trying to get the group together to go somewhere. Where's Alan? He's out there witnessing somebody. Come on, guys, we've got to go eat. Where's Alan? He's over there telling somebody about it. Literally, it was, that, it was like that. I don't have that. Sometimes it's hard for me to order at the line at McDonald's. I just don't, I mean, talking to people I don't know, it, it's, it's, it's not easy for me. But you know what? Lifestyle evangelism says this. says this. If I can get close enough to Jesus, that there's something that should be in me that others would recognize even though they don't know what it is. I'll never forget. There was a lady from uh, Iran that used to work up at, the, um, at, at uh, Subway. And I went through a stint there uh, 
We're here working at the church, and you go, it was easy to go. I, I probably ate Subway four times a week minimum, and it was the same place. And it was always the same people working. And about, I don't know, months into it, she would stop me one day, right in the line. She goes, why are you always smiling? I'm like, I didn't know I was always smiling. And you know what I thought? Well, you know what? I could just say I'm a happy person, but that's not really the case. I said, you know what? I'm always smiling because I got Jesus living in me. And you know what? That opened the door right there that I would have never probably got open if I'm walking through Subway getting my sandwich and I'm trying to... You know what? Sometimes instead of trying to beat him over the head with Acts 2.38, why don't you just say, hey... Do you know Jesus? We've got so we've got so accustomed to trying to convince the world that we're right and they're wrong that we've forgotten the whole purpose of all this. We're so geared up to debate everybody so that we can prove we're not wasting our lives, that we forgot the whole problem. Just tell them about Jesus. Because most of the people in this world today don't even know there's an Acts in the Bible. So you say, you know what the book, word of Acts, the book of Acts says? They're like, what is Acts? Home Depot, where do you get one? I didn't know there was a Bible that had one. They don't know that. But you know what? When you talk about Jesus and who Jesus is, but more importantly, what he's done for you. And when I begin to talk about what Jesus has done for me, all of a sudden now, they begin to understand, well, if he can do that for you, maybe he can do that for me. If you were lost and you were found, maybe I'm lost and he can find me. If you were broken and he healed you, I'm broken, maybe he can heal me. If you were bound and he delivered you, then maybe I'm bound, he can deliver me. It's not a, thus saith the Lord, if you go to scripture here and you, oh, that's, is that important? Absolutely. But the most important thing is J-E-S-U-S. And if we could fall in love with him and start to find him. Most of us are trying to convince everybody else because we're not convinced. And the reason we're not convinced is because we got no relationship. And he said to the woman at the well, if you only knew who was in this room today, if you only knew what was available to you, you wouldn't ask If I had something to drink with, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you living water. I challenge each person in this room today, in the Holy Ghost. I mean that with all soberness. I challenge you in the Holy Ghost that you would make it the priority of your life to know Jesus. That you would make it the priority of your life to know Him.
to fellowship with Him. Stop trying to find out things about Him and start trying to know Him. Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says at the end of John that if all the things that Jesus said and did were written down in the book, even the world couldn't contain. You know what I believe my take on that is? Is that a gospel, a gospel is written and a gospel tells the story and the power of the Savior, what Jesus is. But it's written from the perspective of the one that's writing it. So you know what? You and I are each writing our own gospels. We are writers of our own gospels. We may never be included as the gospel of Joel or the gospel of Sean or, 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 the, or the, the gospel of this person or the gospel of, of Debbie in the Bible. We may never turn to the gospel and read out of that. But we are writing the gospel. Why? Because we are writing about a relationship with Jesus every day that we live. So you have your gospel. I've got my gospel. Instead of taking them to the gospel of Matthew, tell somebody, tell somebody about your gospel. Tell them your gospel. Well, I don't have it written down. You got it written down right here. The gospel of Naomi. Chapter 2, verse 3, you were lost, but Jesus found you. Gospel of Daniel, chapter 1, you were in the Naval Academy, but Jesus reached down to a midshipman and found them. That's the gospel. Is this important? Absolutely this is important. But you and I are supposed to be living relationships so that others can see and say, you know what, whatever you've got, I want that. If it's, if it's just religion, huh, there's a thousand churches you can go to today if you want religion. Pick your favorite. You want dull and boring? Got that. You want lively? Got that. You want short? Got that. You want long? You got that. You want where they chant? You got that. You want smoke and mirrors? You got that. Anywhere you want today, you can find it. We're not trying to be about religion. We're trying to say, listen, we're a bunch of messed up people. Hey, we got problems like everybody else. Our biggest desire is we just want to know Jesus. That's all it is. Because we know if you get him, you get everything. And I hope today that if we each could take turns after church and Jesus would sit on this platform and we would take turns. I hope he would never have to ask any one of us if you knew who was sitting on this platform and who was talking to you. I hope he would never have to say that. I hope he would never have to say, listen, if you, know, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was talking to you, you would ask me to heal your broken heart. And I would. You would ask me to mend your life. And I would. You would ask me to take this burden off you. And I would. If you knew. But if you don't know. If you don't know. It's sad to me to think that 
there are people that can come in contact with God, see God do great things, but yet choose to find other methods and means. I'm not talking about other doctrines, but I'm talking about the fact that there is no other answer outside of Jesus. It's not about doctrine. It's not debating. It's not debating all of that today. It's about simply saying, if we could all get pointed in that direction, we could find Him in ways like we never found it before. And if we get Jesus, we get everything. Would you stand with me today? I pray today by the power of the Word that you've been challenged in your heart, your spirit today to know Him. I wonder right where you are just for a moment, we closing, if you would take just a moment and you would, in your own way, maybe close your eyes, not as a way to be spooky or mystical, but just in simply in reverence to the presence of God that's here. And you would just take one moment right now and you would just talk to God and say, Lord, be honest with Him. Say, God, I don't know you like I, I need to know you. I don't know you like you want me to know you, but God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. Say, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Say, I give all. with us as we close.
God, you know our, our makeup. You know our frailties. You know our shortcomings. God, you know our thoughts. You know all the things inside of us that we struggle with. And God, you know that sometimes we feel there's so many things in us. It makes us hard to believe that you really do love us, that you really do desire to fellowship with us. But God, I pray today that you would let a fresh wave of your blood and your grace flow in our lives, that we would be able to be clean and washed. Lord, that we would be able to stand before you and seek you and find you. Lord, you said knock and it would be open. Ask. Seek. Lord, I pray, God, today that there would be a supernatural hunger that would be released in this place. Lord, I speak it now in the name of Jesus. I lose hunger over every life in this place today. Not a hunger simply for the things of God, but God, a hunger for you and to know you in a greater way than ever before. I pray that today, Lord, bless us with hunger. Bless us with thirst for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Why don't you take a moment, shake somebody's hand before you leave. God bless you. Thank you for being here.